Sunday, we'll look at some of that great responsibility that God charges husbands with. So uh, today we've looked at a definition of submission. It's a voluntary attitude of assuming responsibility of moving under the loving leadership of a husband. We've considered what is not fitting in submission, and we noted three things there. And then we begin to look at what submission looks like. It's, it's going out on behalf of a husband to help him in a complimentary way. And then we ended with the reality that submission is not based on competency. It's not based on being qualified or not. It's not based on your ability. It's simply based on a role that God has assigned to both wives and husbands. So there's no superiority here. You know, in the workplace, we say superiors, and often that means there is most of the time superiority of what? Education, experience, something that's put them in this place of superiority, usually. But in the context of husbands and wives, it is simply a matter of God's design and role for each person. And how He's created us differently, and He's given us different roles. And so there's no superiority on behalf of husbands, and we're both given roles in marriage. Now let's look at submission as that which wins a husband. We get this from 1 Peter chapter 3, which was our scripture reading this morning. Peter is going to speak in this context of persecution, and he's going to speak the very same words almost that Paul has told us about the role of wives. And so in this context, 1 Peter 3, verse 1, Peter will say, Likewise, ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. So that's, that's identical to what Paul has said. Uh, that, so submission now, has something it's moving toward. So you say, well, why should I submit myself to my husband in this context? You may ask wives. So that... If any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives. And then Peter calls that, verse 2, while they behold your chaste, your pure conversation, your purity, your holiness in action is your submission going after your husband to gain him not with words, because in this context, he doesn't listen to the word. So first observation here, this is an unbeliever. Here's a man who doesn't love Jesus Christ. Here's a man who doesn't treasure Christ. Here's a man who's not a believer. And Peter doesn't say, you can leave this relationship. Now, there is no contextual evidence that this man is beating his wife here. But in this context, he says, submit to your unbelieving husband. Uh, we, could, we could assume that in the early church, because the gospel came to married couples, that likely wives, in some cases, were converted and husbands were not. Or the only thing we can conclude is that after uh, she became a Christian, then she married an unbeliever and went against the will of God, for which then repentance is in order, but not leaving the marriage. So we don't know how she got in this relationship, but we do know that Peter is calling on wives in that context to be submissive to those who do not obey. That's a word for belief in the New Testament at times. They do not obey. They do not believe in Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, 
submit. Now in this context, he uses the word likewise because one of the ways that Christians show forth the excellencies of God who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light is submission. So there's a context where everybody in this room has one or more roles to submit. So when Peter says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation, that's the, the same Greek word there, conversation, lifestyle. The participle tells us the reason why we want to abstain from fleshly lust. Why? Having your conversation honest, excellent, kalos. Among the Gentiles, unsaved people like the husband this wife is submitting to. So that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall see. People are watching you. They know what Christian doctrine is. They, they, they know what you believe. You believe Christ is all. You believe He's the satisfier. You believe He's the treasure. They know what you say about Christian home and how parents and husbands and wives are supposed to interact. They hate it, but they know it. Now they're watching you to see how we reflect the glory of Christ in the way that we live. So that in the day of visitation, they would glorify God. Now the day of visitation could be the day of judgment. It is in Isaiah 10.3, for which it is presumable that Peter's quoting from in that context. But they glorify God. They praise and extol God, which would indicate they come to conversion and salvation. Would you want your lifestyle to hinder conversions, to work against the plan of God because they behold your lifestyle and when they slander you, you just give it back. That's not abstaining from fleshly lust. In that context, what Peter means, abstain from the fleshly desire that when they speak evil of you, you speak evil back. When they slander you, you slander back. You know, when you're young, when they hit you, you hit them back. Say, is that I mean, I believe this gospel now, but is that what it means to be a Christian? So then what does Peter say? Submit to every ordinance of man, whether to the king supreme or governor sent by him, unless it's sin, unless it's sin. <clears throat> of course, we can wrestle and talk about that when, when a law comes, but unless it's sin, according to Scripture, God says, I want you to voluntarily come under that authority, even if it's Nero which was a wicked man. That would have been hard. Next, he says, Servants, I want you to submit to your masters. Not only to the good and gentle masters, but to the froward. That's where you get our English word scoliosis. Crooked bosses. Don't sin. They tell you to sin, don't sin. But I want you to come under that leadership. Likewise, wives, submit. So what's the aim of this submission? to glorify God and to show that Christ is preeminent. He's supreme. All right? How does subjection do that? Subjection is going after the husband to win or to gain him. That's what the word one means. To gain the husband. In this case, as we noted, you can't gain him with words. He's an unbeliever. So 
you gain him with your chaste conversation. Peter says, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and putting on of apparel. In that culture, to dress like that would have been over-the-top elaborate. It would have been extreme. So Peter's not saying the word adorning is from the word cosmos, cosmetics. He's saying do not wear cosmetics. He's saying don't use that as a means to gain your husband. Because when you gain him with cosmetics, what if you want him to? Yourself. That's not the goal of winning him. You want him one to Christ. So don't go over the top with this elaborate way of dressing, which only is trying to gain him, maybe just to your own way of thinking or to making life better. Surely it would be better to have a husband that loves you and cares about you, because if he doesn't care about Christ, likely, not likely, but the only thing he can do is kind of have a a love for you that expresses itself in self-centeredness. If he's unconverted, all he can love is himself, even if he's being kind to you. Because he has a conscience. And so Peter says, you're not trying to win him that way. So don't try to use that to win him. Rather use the hidden man of the heart, which is not corruptible. Okay, now here's what I want to observe here. If a believing wife submits herself to her husband in a way that's fitting, in order to win him without the word, to win him ultimately to Christ, so that he would see something about the glory of Christ in your attitude, disposition, and your holiness, then how would a believing wife win a believing husband who will listen to the Word? Now you say, well, that's really not in there, but is it not implied? And is it not all over the Bible? What that means then, husbands, when we are leading the wife and she's submissive, That doesn't mean she's not speaking truth into your life. That doesn't mean she's trying to win you or not trying to win you with the Word of God. The the virtuous woman, Proverbs 30, 31, 26, I think it is. She opens her mouth in wisdom. Her tongue, out of her tongue is the law of kindness. Now, if she's opening her mouth in wisdom, who's she opening it to? Her children? Yes, but her husband. That's King Lemuel's mother telling him he needs to find a virtuous woman because she opens her mouth in wisdom. King Lemuel, when you get married to such a woman, she's going to open her mouth to you in wisdom. Where have we gotten the idea that being the head of the household means we get the decisive final word always and that we don't listen to our wives? Her submission is going to win over a man who doesn't treasure Christ. How much should her submission be coming with wisdom to you to help you to win you over with the wisdom of God's Word? Sometimes I I think we pull the headship card. It's like, it's not because we think she's being unwise. It's not because we think her decision will bankrupt the family. It's not because this decision is not in harmony with God's Word. It's because I don't want to do it. Period. That's not love. Yes, husbands, you have the final word when there's disagreement and a decision has to be made. But no, leadership is not saying, I always get the final word. 
how often perhaps do you and I take the final word and try to, to put a facade of biblical wisdom on it when in reality, I just don't want to do what you say. That's not the love that Jesus displays to his church. Of course, there, there's a disconnect to some degree because Jesus always makes the right wise decision. But does Jesus listen to his bride? Did he not listen to his disciples? Did he not want to hear their concerns? He listened. And of course, he is the perfect head. We are imperfect. He doesn't need any help. We need help daily to fulfill the call to be loving heads of households. And so the wife trying to win her husband Without the word is through her submissive lifestyle and her holiness. The wife who seeks to win her husband with the word is through submission and holiness that then speaks the truth to her husband. So when Paul wrote those words in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, we all may grow up into him, he didn't then caveat and say, wait a minute, I wasn't talking about wives. You can't do that to your husbands. When he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another... He didn't say, you, you can't speak to your husband and, and telling him anything out of the Word. You need to hear the gospel from the lips of your wife regularly. You need to hear the promises and who God is for us from the lips of your wife because your wife sees you unlike any person on the planet. And she sees all that ugliness not, not physically, but our weaknesses, our blind spots. And here God has placed this woman that you have said you love and that you wanted to be with. And He's placed her with the gifts and wisdom and creativity and skill and all that she is. And she's going to speak truth into your life and you're going to pull out the card that says, we're not going to do that. Well, why? I just don't want to do it. How often should we be listening and saying, what wisdom, unless it's clearly not wise? You can say, honey, I love you. You're, you're, God's made you so wise. But see, in this case, I don't think we'd be going the right direction. right? Or however it is we may be able to explain that, rather than it just doesn't meet with my agenda, my desires, and what I want in the moment. That takes humility, and that takes the Holy Spirit so that we are, uh, we are allowing, so to speak, our wives to fulfill the role that God has given them in speaking truth to us and showing us our blind spots and speaking into our lives with their wisdom and winning us because we treasure the Word. They're winning us because we love the Word. They're winning us because we love Jesus Christ. But how often we'd rather have a, a man speak that truth into our lives instead of our own wives. You ever been there? I'll listen to him. I'm just not going to listen to you. God help us to listen, be loving leaders that listen to the wisdom of wives as they seek to win us, not to their way, but to Christ by showing us where we need to change, where we need help, and to then give input in every category of your life. There is no category. Of course, at your work, she may not know what's going on there, but, but if she can give input that affects it, from the, from the Bible, your work and what you do, she's allowed. She can speak truth in your life about what you do at work. 
She's not an engineer. She probably can't do that. But as, as far as what the Bible says, she can help you in every facet of your life. So Peter says, let this adorning, let this cosmos, this ornament, not it be the outward ornament. Don't try to use that to sway him. Rather, it's the hidden man of the heart in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. The next thing we see here is that submission is an expression of the strength of God. Okay? Oh, young sisters, don't be duped by looking at these women in the world and thinking, boy, how strong they are. They look strong. They act strong. They're in these positions of strength. Peter is going to identify a different kind of strength that has great value in the sight of God. Okay, look at how he says in verse 5. Because after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, holy women of God, who trusted in God, they adorned themselves, they, they put on this ornament, this cosmos, this was the cosmetic that God valued. They adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands. Participle. What was this adornment that had great value to God? It was the adornment of subjection rooted in trusting God that expressed itself in meekness and quietness. Now quietness here is not silence, it's calmness of soul. So the holy women of God were clothed, they were adorned with subjection to their own husbands. The root of that subjection was they trusted God. And the strength of trusting God was expressed in a meek and quiet spirit in their adornment. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is being more concerned about the glory of God and the soul of your husband rather than your own significance. So meekness goes out towards others and wants to restore such and one in the spirit of meekness. Meekness goes out instructing those that oppose themselves, preventure that God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Meekness is more concerned about others because meekness is under the authority of God in Christ and is resting in God's rule over one's life. That stability, which is adorning itself in subjection, is owing to trusting in the sovereign rule of God over your life, sisters. That strength. The women out there are not strong. They may look strong, but if they don't trust Christ, it's weakness. True strength is the adornment of subjection rooted in faith that then expresses itself in meekness and calmness of spirit. So then Paul gives Sarah an example, Peter rather, verse 6. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, which was just an expression of respect, he is not her Lord like the Lord Jesus Christ. That was an expression saying, I'm coming under your leadership, Lord Abraham. Verse 6, whose daughters you are, sisters today, as long as you do well and are not with any, afraid with any terror or alarm. All right, what would cause this particular woman in this context, or wives in this context, what would fill them with alarm and terror? 
sudden fear. And the word implies that would put them to flight, that would put them to running, that would put them to leaving this man, that would put them off the pathway of holiness. One persecution. We know the saints in 1 Peter are being persecuted. All right? To add to that, an unbelieving husband. All right? Things get heated up. She's a Christian. By the way, where is she getting her spiritual strength from? I'm not her husband. He's an unbeliever. You don't get your strength from your husband. Or this woman is hopeless. Because she's got no husband to get strength from. He's an unbeliever. Just pointing to the fact that Jesus is your Lord and your strength. The strength of this woman is not coming from her husband. It's coming from the crucified, risen Christ that's ruling over her life. Every detail, every breath her husband takes is in the hands of Christ. Every cell in her body is under the rule of Christ. So with that knowledge, there's persecution. There's a husband that might leave her. If persecution gets started, he said, well, you're a Christian, I'm out of here. She has no income if he leaves. She has no insurance if he leaves. She has no retirement if he leaves. She has no way to get a job because women didn't work. They did not work. What is she to do? You can see why she would be tempted to use the outward adorning of plating the hair, putting on a gold, wearing apparel, to get him to stay, to get him not to leave because she's so afraid with terror and alarm at what tomorrow might bring if this man leaves me. Rather, she is not afraid. That doesn't mean she doesn't have fear to deal with. That doesn't mean she's never experienced anxiety. That means she deals with her fears by what? Trusting in God. Hoping in God. Elpidzo is the actual Greek word. Hoping in God. And so out of that trust in the Lord, in His sovereign rule, she adorns herself with subjection to a man who cares nothing for her. And out of a meek and quiet spirit, she shows the strength of Christ. And she is stable as a rock. Not because she's a rock. Or thy Christ should fall apart. And we would too. Because she's standing upon a rock. And his name is Jesus Christ. And kings and lords are submissive to him. Putin is under his sway. She is under his sway. Hamas is under his sway. Israel's under his sway. And every king on the planet is under the sway of Christ. Therefore, she's putting her trust in Jesus Christ. And she moves out with the strength of a meek and quiet spirit, calmness, and she tries to win her husband, and she's stable because she's resting in the stronghold of Jesus Christ. Now, brothers, that's one for us too, isn't it? You know, I know that's the context of women, but that'll preach for all of us, won't it? To so rest in God's rule that we can stay in a loving position toward our wives. And they can stay in a place of submission because we're all resting in the rule of the supremacy of the exalted Christ who is over every square inch of this universe for His preeminence and for His glory. And gloriously, He's using us, His body, in the advancement of His cause in the world. And finally, the last point, submission is not only an expression of strength, It's also highly regarded and valued by God. 
And we read that part of the text. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great value. Did you know your submission is of great value to God? He values. He thinks your submission is precious in His sight. You say, that sounds kind of over the top for God to think that about my little old submission. He highly regards submission in any context to a bad government, to bad bosses, or any context where he calls us to submit. And here when a wife submits to an unbelieving husband or believing husband, why is it so value, uh, value to God? Because her submission is an expression of her treasuring Him. So what is God valuing? God is valuing His trustworthiness in her life because that's her stability. Her meekness and calmness is coming from a view of God. And so God values her subjection because He values God. Because this woman is treasuring, relying, hoping, resting in Christ. And so what does God value in her subjection? That she is treasuring, hoping, relying on God's trustworthiness. And the fact that she says, God said it, I believe it. He said it would take care of me. I don't know how that's going to work itself out. There may be some hard times coming. I may be without a husband. But he said it. I'm resting. So God's value in your submission is the value He places on His own supremacy because you're trusting in Him. So dear sisters, beloved sisters, not only highly valued by God, but highly valued by your husbands should be, and this church... May God bless you to experience the strength and the stability of hope and trust that makes you come under the loving leadership of your husband when it's fitting in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that your word always calls us to a high calling that we cannot reach on our own. Lord, everything within us, our old man and his deceitful lust and his corrupt desires, always is crying out against submission, crying out against trust, crying out against gratification in Christ and seeking to experience self-gratification. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit in this hour as much as we've ever needed you, Lord. In the hour of cultural chaos and confusion, in the hour where men don't know what it means to be men and women don't know what it means to be a woman, but you do, Lord. You've expressed in your word, and the only way we know is because you've told us in Scripture. And men think they're women, and women think they're men, and the, the con gender confusion that happens when a society comes under the wrath of God because we've left, we've rejected the knowledge of God. So, Lord, we pray that the gospel would come in this day in a great powerful way. Because we know in Romans 1, the wrath of God is moving to the expression of wrath in a different way. It's the wrath of propitiation in Romans 3.26, whom God sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. That is, your wrath that is expressed towards a society then points us to your wrath that is consumed by the blood of Jesus Christ and absorbed. May we be a church 
filled with marriages and families seeking to function, seeking to guide our homes according to Scripture, seeking to advance the gospel and point ourselves and others to Jesus Christ. That they would not be fooled, Lord, that somehow they look at us and think this is within ourselves, that we have the strength and wherewithal. But that we would make it clear, our strength is from the risen Christ. Without the Spirit, we can't even move. Without the Spirit, we cannot obey. But with the Spirit, we can do everything you call us to and to grow into that, into the image of Christ. And I ask you, on behalf of this congregation, as we repent of our sins, as we repent of our headship, and using it for selfish ways. As we repent of our subjection and using and rising up against the authorities you've placed, loving authorities in our lives. Lord, may we repent as a congregation and come under your word and seek to live out true biblical Christianity that would fill us with joy and pleasure under the Lordship of Christ and that would point others to the supremacy and love of the glorified, resurrected, crucified Savior. It's in His name we all pray together. Amen.